proud proud owners of stock right you know so <laughs> in that respect like there's a little bit of redistribution but for sure yeah, I like that that element of it too. I mean, I've always been of the mindset that if you're really serious about undoing capitalism or any, you know, right. any of just the American way, like you kind of got to know how businesses work and operate right. and especially the stock market, like you kind of got to know that stuff. Right. So, but it tend it, but the people that tend to be educated on that sort of thing, they they're usually not abolitionists. Right. Right. Not, not not even close so yeah i was just left feeling like either abolish the entire stock market or like give every single employee in each of those companies like some stock, stock in the company that they work in right right you know yeah. you, should, you should actually profit off of the labor that you're producing i agree we should have many more employee-owned businesses right particularly right. in that in that fortune 500 sector that's causing all the trouble these days too many of them yeah yeah they need to chill they need to chill man <laughs> uh what's up trent what up hey i have never seen you wear this hat before but it's so icy is that a i just got it <laughs> yeah i just got it that's sick yeah that's a nice hat thank bro you, thank, you. thank you for a nose <sighs> damn dude this uh this late night pod got me fucked up man yeah. we out here in the twilight uh-oh. We norm- we're normally we're normally doing this shit like 8:30 in the morning or so. But I just quit one of my jobs, the job that I'm at most of the time. So, like okay. I would normally be I would be wrapping up. I would be on my way to work now like after having already potted for a couple hours. Damn. Burning the midnight oil. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm saying fuck that shit. Y'all can deal with that y'all selves. I'm going to work on my podcast. So, <clears throat> no, I'm excited about this part of it. I mean, it was a little weird for me today to, um, like, start this late because I didn't really, like, I've literally just been hanging out. I mean, I did some stuff that I needed to get done earlier in the day. Um, but for the last hour, I've been watching First Take. Yeah. So that's definitely throwing me off a little bit, but <laughs> but but uh, I am really excited to just have more time in the beginning of the day, more time in general, mm-hmm. just just more time, man. I mean, time means a lot right. to me these days. So yeah, yeah. Yesterday was my first day, just like I don't know, just handling shit throughout the day. I'd go. I don't know if you kind of heard me talk about this before, but I've been flipping as a means to support myself. And so, yeah, yesterday I was like doing a little obligatory stuff here, doing a little Dev Demolino stuff there, recorded a little mini episode of the podcast. And in between that, I was going and picking up a little mini piano and that's just fun, man. I like, yeah, yeah, I I like Good for you, man. I'm digging the open schedule. It's a good look for me. Yeah. It's a good look for me right now. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a nine to five kind of guy. Like. I, I tried doing like on doing stuff on my own schedule and everything, but I'm just too like I just can't handle it. I I need some sort of structure. You know, I, I need to clock in and I need to clock out. It is really not for everyone and I don't wanna say that as in like a like a condescending, like, oh it's not right. you know, like not everyone's right. made for it. And it's just really like some people need that cornerstone of their schedule. Right. 
And for me, I'm having to learn. I kind of do. So I'm learning to make that cornerstone myself. I wouldn't say I really have it down yet, but at least I have these anchors of my schedule, like the podcast and all these other things that they got to go somewhere. So it's just. Well, Dev, we get it. You're built different. I'm built different, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Get you some of what I'm made of, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, man. I, um,. Yeah, I mean, I just, I haven't really been able to put as much time into the podcast, honestly, now that I've been so into the flipping, because I'm learning the flipping from scratch, you know, and so, like, and that's, that's what's allowing me to do everything, so I kind of have to place an emphasis on it to make sure that it um, supports everything else, but I'm also trying to remind myself that the flipping and learning all of that really is to, in the end game, serve the podcast and just mm-hmm. these ventures um, mm-hmm. and doing this sort of thing. So, yeah, it's weird. It's definitely a little yeah. weird to just be on my own, but I'm excited about it, man. I, yeah, I all power to you. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. So, um, I like what we got going here. I see three screens, three hats right there. There we um, go. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, this is going to be such a Portland episode <laughs> from the, the fashion to the, yeah, yeah. You know what? Okay, I'm glad I'm glad you have that, that, that alternate Blazers jersey there because I've seen that jersey catch some flack, and I think that, I think, I think it's an excellent jersey. I don't get the oh, hate. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't heard any of the hate. So trend, I don't know if it I've was like maybe just in our group chat. Where we I've heard s- a lot of hate. Yeah. I've heard a about lot of hate. What? Just about the design. I like it because it reminds me of like the seventies. It's right. so Portland. I love like seven I love like seventies script like like text fonts and shit and like those that primary oh, color vibe the, on the, the on the um brown. Just yeah. like <laughs> Makes me think of like a Volkswagen bus, you know. Is, is oh, there yeah, yeah, yeah. A, is there an well, NBA the, team that has like brown as their color? I don't think so. Because I don't think that they do. It's pretty rare. I don't. I've never really seen a just a straight brown basketball jersey in the NBA. Right. Also, well, I the, might be. Yeah, Ethan, tell me, because I'm sure you know better than me. It's right. got a cool reason behind it. I don't remember exactly yeah. the exact reason, but. Well, it's well. First of all, when when you said it reminded you of like an old Volkswagen bus, the old uh, like 70s and 80s TriMet buses actually used to be like brown earth tone, uh-huh. like real, <laughs> like off white, orange kind of shit. Uh-huh. Um, but no, the, these jerseys are sick. So my my mom got me this jersey for Christmas because she got it at a uh, Native American Youth and Family Center auction. They were auctioning them off because Naya and the Portland Trailblazers designed this jersey together to represent uh, this state that we call Oregon's uh, indigenous heritage. So uh, like it's got a graphical map kind of look to it to like Mm -hmm. represent all like the changing terrain across the state. Um, But the, the bands on the side. Yes. That's the fire sort of look like ribbons because, and I don't have my ribbon shirt on me, but there's like a, a traditional like ceremonial garb that like, folks do up with all these like ribbons and shit on it just to look like good but ribbon shirts and ribbon skirts are are ceremonial wear for a lot of indigenous folks um and they're and each of these colors 
are meant to re represent each of the like federally recognized like Indian tribes in the state. Um, so a lot of these proceeds went to the Native American Youth and Family Center, um, which actually a couple summers ago, I found out my grandmother's brother actually helped found the Native American Youth and Family Center. Oh, wow. He's pretty wild. Um, yeah. It just started out as like him and his drinking buddy being like, man, there are way too many little Indian kids skipping school. So they just like would go grab a pint and then walk around and like try to <laughs> <laughs> back into school um, just so they could like get that education and, and, you know, have a stronger community like that. But yeah, these jerseys are sick. Um, even though that I dig the Oregon on it, but like, I mean, I don't know. It, it depends on who you ask, but like Oregon was the name of, like the territory after it was colonized. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. So like it's cool that they like are putting on for all the all the indigenous folks. Um and it's interesting that they include the the colonial name, uh, even though there wasn't really any sort of name for Okay, um, that was gonna be my question if there was the if there was before. like a, a notable name prior to that. Yeah. Um no idea really where the name Oregon came from. Um, but a lot of the folks that were living here before the colonizers came over, um, you know, they just called it home. They just called it, you know, the land that they lived on. Yeah. So, and, you know, my family is from the Yakima Nation, which is up in central mm -hmm. Washington. Um, but given how like communal the whole Pacific Northwest was, even though there were different territories that different bands and tribes inhabited, um, everybody just sort of like mesh together you know like right along the columbia river like hood river the dalles cascade locks like that was a big trading area so there's definitely a lot of like overlap between like the washington folks and like the oregon folks so just a little history so no i really appreciated the American insight Youth and family center it's tight i appreciate the insight on that design. Earth tone shit yeah yeah it's my color come on pacific northwest you know how we get down. We like the color brown. We like earth yep. tones, tans, beiges. We like dark greens, you know? Like Love it. We like that shit. And yeah. I, I appreciate that that perspective on the jersey itself because I just liked the design as it was. Right. I didn't really I mean, I get why people don't like the design, but I think the combination of colors and the uniqueness of the jersey is yep. is is really dope so to know that on top of that that's mm -hmm. what that was all about um i don't know if i can uh, can you still buy those jerseys like uh, even if it wasn't through, through I, them? I think you still can i know um what's the uh what's the brother's name on hawthorne that's got that uh ball was life or ball is life that yeah ball was did. life shop yeah. yeah i saw that he had a couple like double xl jerseys of oh, you know, these jerseys and by the way shout out to the homie i don't know his name but he's uh from warm springs from the warm springs reservation i don't mm -hmm. i don't know what his background is but is that also up here in the northwest region yeah so warm springs is down towards bend like madras area mm. uh, and that's actually where my grand uncle and his family is living at down there too so um shout out to the warm springs reservation shout out Bala's life yeah uh, you know just a young indigenous dude you know putting out some really great stuff i haven't been there but that shop seems stocked 
I follow him on Instagram, and he's uh-huh. got the wildest shit. I swear. I've been driving by it. I've been meaning to go in. It's tight. It's I went in. Cool. I went in, and it's pretty amazing. The like collection <laughs> they have, and the staff. Everyone there is just like such a homie. Like I just mm-hmm. went in there and was like not intending to buy anything, and homeboy like hooked me up with like stickers and like was like, yeah, bro, like. We we're just talking about. They had like bobbleheads and shit, and I have my phone sitting on my Brandon Roy bobblehead box right now. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I got like two of those collections. Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, we got like fifty of each. <laughs> so, yeah. Damn, dude. So, me and Trent got a link up, a uh, mask style, but we got a link up. I literally haven't seen Trent in a year. In person. In person. Yeah, we've been doing this we've podcast been, like the whole that time. Safe, man. On, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen like any homies. <laughs> I don't really got that many homies. Anymore, I know. That's <laughs> what I, I mean. It's like who the fuck do I really try to hang out yeah. with? Yeah. I literally haven't. No, like me and Dev. Well, I, safe, I, I would feel bad too if like I had seen, especially early on, like if I had been hanging out with Trent. And like I, I haven't seen my mom or my dad in like two months or right. something like that. Right. So right. I rarely ever really see, you know, get to go see them. So, right. Yeah, you know, you won't, you won't catch us on Instagram stories like at a party, people not wearing masks, like they're strippers. Like, nah, you, you won't. You'll find us oh. at at home. He's playing Zelda. I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm playing the chess app literally, on my phone literally watching what hell's I was kitchen right before this was playing <laughs> <laughs> yes i was yes. i was grinding out some animal crossing earlier me me and my brothers are going hard on animal crossing bro i like i always do this thing where i'm like yeah i'm gonna play animal crossing and then i wait too long and it's like not i don't want to like start from scratch or everyone else has like <laughs> everyone's beef shit. Shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you gonna have a little hut <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your little village. Yeah. <laughs> hyped on like hyped on a sidewalk and everyone else has like full on like yeah. town. You just got your first shrubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always miss the boat on that type of shit too, so I'm kind of the same way. I also yeah. don't have any you gotta be on the switch to play that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. just got my switch for Christmas, so I'm I'm coming yes. to the late. That's dope. I've had my Switch for like a couple of years now, but all I play on it is uh, Zelda. Is Zelda. <laughs> yeah. My brothers have, my brothers were on the same boat. I mean, they've had their Switches for years, and they were roasting me for not having one. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like I got to pay rent, bro. No, they said, <laughs> I don't step, have that kind of money. Step your money up. He's a yeah, broke ass. He ain't got no switch. <laughs> well, what happened was, I'm hoping my brother doesn't hear this episode of the podcast because I don't want to remind him. But what happened was, I bought my switch and I didn't play it that much, so I traded him the switch for Kendrick Lamar championship tour tickets. And I, I went <laughs> and saw Kendrick, J Rock. I saw like that that whole tour, SZA, yeah. and. And then when I moved out of the house we were living in, I just took the switch with me. <laughs> <laughs> and he hasn't really noticed. And through the coronavirus, I was like, he's got to notice at some point because he's going to want to play this thing. Like, he's got to be bored. And he just hasn't said anything. Damn. Just finessed it. Maybe he's, really just, maybe he's just living and letting die, you know? Maybe, yeah. Maybe he's just being the, the I mean, that's classic big bro probs, right? Right. You just let you just you just letting your younger like one take, take your shit. Take yeah. All the shit. Yeah. Lose your shit. Break your shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's me. 
I take all my brother's stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, my brother. Yeah. Shout out to older brothers though. Me, me and yeah. Well, Trent, you got you're like middle. You got a lot of family, so I got like. Well, I, I got the three step siblings, so I'm like the middle child. Now. Yeah, you and are. Ethan, you're the middle. You're kid, like the right? true middle yeah, child. I'm I'm dead ass in the middle. You're right in the middle. Younger brother. You're like Malcolm. Yeah, yeah Ethan in the middle. Yeah. Dipper I'm in the middle. Smack dab. Dip in the middle. Yeah, dip in the middle. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, I um, and also growing up too, my brother's like seven years older than I am, so like yeah. for from eleven to eighteen, like I was in the house by myself, so kind of like a weird like older brother but then for most of like growing up or a good chunk of growing up like only child kind of right you know it's interesting yeah my i mean my younger brother is like eight or nine years younger than me so, oh wow yeah i guess like, he is right, right i never like think of him as that much I, same yeah I, I never think of him as that weird. drastic yeah he's about to he's finishing up his third year over at cleveland which is wild that's that crazy. is crazy. So it then, yeah, he's had kind of having the same experience, like yeah, like so, just like right, right when me and Keegan, my older brother, right when we were in college, like starting off in college, Jordan was like, you know, starting to get a little personality and shit, and he's <laughs> like an only child, so he he has that attitude for sure. But it's been cool to like reconnect now that we're all like getting older and everything. Mm-hmm. We got a little Discord group and everything. We talk shit and all that, but that's awesome. <laughs> it's it's wild it's strange yeah yeah no i i appreciate the like uh, being adult age with your or close to adult range with your brother or your siblings or whatever i mean we mostly got brothers and whatnot but um yeah i appreciated that like getting older into high school and then getting to be around my brother a little bit more who was an adult because when i was 11 and he was 18 you would imagine he probably found me very annoying (laughs) (laughs) to take me around to certain things and to hang yeah. out with me while I, and babysit me at the house basically and, and and shit like that so yeah yeah we can't go taking our 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 brothers younger or older for granted <clears throat> for sure especially those yeah. older ones that honestly probably took extra butt whoopings like n- that maybe we didn't have to bear you know yeah they usually had harder heads than we did so <laughs> um yeah okay well uh if you're listening to this and you don't know then you might not be one of those top tier uh, listeners of the podcast because this is a man we've had on the show before. And even even more interesting, it, we had him on here in here in person. Yeah. He's he's one of those like way back in person interviews <laughs> that we did in just the o- other room over there. Uh, cut. Yeah, yeah. I record from from my bedroom now. Um, I got a little, I got a little corner in the room, but yeah, we're, we got Dipper on the show. I was going to go back and, uh, and look at what your, what we talked about on your episode. I think it was, uh, I think it was that Conway, the machine joint and, uh, fucking that JPEG joint. I think it was, yeah, I was mad hungover that day. Yes, you yeah, were. You, you I rolled up with like that. a bottle of ibuprofen and two Gatorades. I recall yeah. that. Yeah, that was. A I'd good like time. woken up at five in the morning and driven back from the coast, and my head was just. Oh, that's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you, but you, but you hung in there tough. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you stayed the whole episode. Stayed the whole episode. Killed that shit. Yeah. Man, what did we even try to find with Dipper swinging a miss? 
we talk about why oh yes nothing if not overstimulating season three episode five jpeg mafia album conway the machine you're right Mm -hmm. i wonder what that was oh i can listen to it it might have been uh that couldn't that was last year that song might go number one for like 20 weeks like um, All right, shut up, idiots. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we talked about Big Baby Scumbag. I must have done yeah. that interview like around that time. And then, um, yeah, it was a pretty run-of-the-mill episode. We reviewed a yeah. couple albums, and then we even did a Trent's tourney. That was when we did uh, Odd Future Albums Tournament. That's right. Mm-hmm. That was cool. That yeah. was cool. Um, yeah, so if you want to go all the way back and listen to one of our more ancient episodes, season three, I mean, that's kind of way back there these days, but Vintage. season three, episode five, I mean, dude, that's, hold on, let me think about this. That would be, that, that's like episode 20, tw- episode 17. I'm honored. Yo, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? New Music Monday podcast, season 5, episode 23. Episode 74. Yeah, we getting kind of deep in this shit. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. So, think about this. Dipper came on, like, literally 60 episodes ago, almost. And and he is he's making his reprise, his return to the podcast. What's up, everybody? Dev Demolino in the building. We got packs in here as always, and uh, yeah, we've been hyping them up, man. Ethan, Dipper, Livermore in the building with us. Um, just a, a real good friend and always a great guest to have on the podcast. So how are you, bro? Man, I'm tired, but I'm good. Yeah, you been busy lately? Yeah, man. I mean, looking for a new job, working on my current one, organizing, I was almost a little surprised that you were even able to hop on here, kind of the short notice I gave you. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely up mad late last night. We were <laughs> steering committee call and, you know, knocked back a couple of Stellas last night too. But, uh, you know, got to do it for the homies. Welcome back on, bro. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm going to turn our intro song back on because it's a short one. And I love this shit. And uh, real quick, I guess I should announce on here, I didn't uh, save up a, a, a clip of this interview that I did, but um, I recently did two interviews for Obligatory that are going to come out in the next couple weeks. And one of them is who we are listening to, Khalil Blue, who I find to be real fucking talented really extremely talented and he's got this album out called dog we reviewed it when it dropped and we kind of just talked about it all year it was on my list of albums of the year uh but then he's also the producer made most of the beats for um for attack of the flesh covered meat bags whatever the 85 and uh, it was a really cool, insightful conversation, and I'm, I'm looking forward to dropping it. But before I do that, I also interviewed Mix Matches. Man, how do I describe his music? It's kind of cloudy. It's, I mean, he sings on it, but he makes the instrumentals, and it's kind of depressing, and I don't know. But 
He's got a name. We fucked with his music in the past. Also got a chance to review interview him, and both of those are on their way out. So maybe ne- next episode, I'll I'll drop a clip out of both of those or something. But anyways, I recommend Dog. Uh, Dipper, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to Khalil Blue Dog, but mm. good project. Okay. Uh, I recommend it. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll send it to you. I'll, I'll send word, you a link. Word, word, word. <laughs> Check it out. But um, yeah, welcome again, New Music Monday podcast. Um, episode 74 it is i believe uh and again i've been really enjoying some of the previous episodes that we've done um we are going to be taking a break next week we won't be here next week for the podcast um maybe in the time between now and then maybe i can squeeze in something else something cool but i did just drop Um, A little bonus episode, a little bonus piece for last week's episode. And I talked about that Doc D, new Logic alias Dat Piff exclusive mixtape. Did a little review on that. Planetary Destruction is what it's called. Um, And then I talked about this UK post-punk band that we reviewed on Obligatory called Shame. And their album is called Drunk Tank Pink. I don't really get that title, but, you know, <laughs> just let it fly, you know, just, okay, do your thing. Um, and then Code of the Friend, Code of the Friend, Lyrics to Go, Volume 2. Um, n- the three albums, not all of them I was, like, crazy excited about, but some interesting takes on on a few, on all of them. So you can check that out in the past. You can check our uh, previous episode. What did we talk about last week, Trent? Oh, we had Smythe on here. We had Smythe on here, and we finished oh, yeah, our greatest rappers of all time conversation, which was a mouthful. It was a long episode. Uh, yeah, I had to dip early. Yeah, Trent had to dip early. He couldn't see the end of our list. But did you get a chance to peep the end of our lists? Or do I still need uh, to fill you in? Yeah, I skimmed them. I kind of feel like I'm like mixing them up a little bit. but. Man, I wonder if I... I don't got my phone on me, so. I, but I'll tell you, Andre was my number one. Let's see, number two was. Uh, why am I so bad at? Rem- why is my short-term memory so bad? Um, was your number two not Jay Z? I thought Jay Z was number three one. was Jay Z. Number two was Kendrick Lamar. Number four was Doom. Number five was Ghostface. Number six was Ice Cube. Um. And I'm kind of forgetting after that, but where? Let me ask you this: Where did you have Black Thought? I can't remember. Mm. Eleven, and I'll tell you why it was eleven. It's honestly a little bit. It's it's a personal shortcoming of my own. Okay, I'm not really the biggest Roots fan out there, and not. Oh, I don't know where Trent just went. Uh-oh. He, he didn't just, like that. Uh, he, he just dipped. Dude, Black he Thought just, at eleven. <laughs> I'm <laughs> out of here. <laughs> I was trying to cop a plea and explain myself, and he just like <laughs> he just peaced out. Um, hold on, he's coming back here. <laughs> D- damn, bro! So you were so upset by that take that you just you just dipped. <laughs> I just left. <laughs> he said, "I'm out." He said, "I'm done." No, 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 dude. It's 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 all my own personal shortcomings, bro. I'm not really. You know, not saying that I'm not a huge fan of what the Brutes do and represent in the music that they've made, but I'm not really like I'm not really that thorough with their discography. I haven't listened to all the the 
the Roots album. So I'm not even really like, I'm not even really like down with them. Like I would be faking the funk, honestly, if I was <coughs> really giving them all this praise. That honestly, I'm just not quite there. But I mean, I know, I know who Black Thought is. So he had to be in that range. Was it was it a little blasphemous that I couldn't even put him top ten? No, it's cool. Okay. Because I think number 10, I had Snoop. I could probably see, like, Black Thought going to number 10 and Snoop going to 11. But... Say, just judging off what you just told me, I would say the biggest surprise for me, and maybe it's the same thing, that why you don't have Black Thought as high, is having Ice Cube that high. Got it. I kind of like... I had Ice Cube in, like, my top 20, but I don't... Actually, yeah, and same with Smythe. He had him, like, uh, in that 20-ish range. I mean, I guess if you want to break it down and boil it down to, like, the skill set, he may not be one of the absolute most elite rappers to do it. But I really like what Ice Cube represents for hip-hop in its timeline um, and kind of... Uh, yeah, I mean, just the just the attitude. Just, uh, I mean, on top of having a discography where I feel like there are at least three, four really, really amazing albums in there. Um, Smythe did point out to me that there's like a real ten year period where, yeah, Ice Cube's like kind of goaded, and then you know, like outside of that ten year period, is a little more questionable. So, I mean. I wouldn't maybe have to have him at six every single time, but yeah, I think he's a top ten rapper, man. I think I think just I think uh, too like the fact that he pretty much wrote like all the NWA stuff. That's what I'm saying, and especially yeah. for NWA and the early albums he was making at the time. I mean, like I know we had Public Enemy, which was real, real important uh, for the notion of protesting through the music and through the hip hop. So that was incredible, but but. You know, for NWA, they really took it to a place that just shocked white America yeah. so yeah. much, you know? But I was going to say, like, like, Public Enemy, I always felt like Public Enemy was more of like a rallying kind of cry. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the music is more like a like a call to action, and then NWA is like the action. Like NWA is like the moment where, like, I feel like NWA just was like, now now we do what Public Enemy is talking about. Like now we go out and we we react to what is happening. Like, <laughs> yeah, a little ahead of their time still too, but like. I mean, just that, I mean, just even like your biggest song being Fuck the Police. I think we've, I think we've kind of become desensitized to that term because it's, I mean, it's just, it's just how we feel, but like, um, but we, and we've heard it so much and it's been a popular phrase for 30, I mean, not, sorry, from the NWA standpoint for like 30 plus years now, like it's been a, like we've been very aware of that term, but to come out and like, have that be one of the biggest songs in the nation at the time <laughs> and just like how shocking that was for some people and what kind of like how revolutionary that was for music and yeah. for black people music 
at the time um and to know yeah exactly that like he he wrote so much of what was happening for that group that ended up like just shattering you know um the perception or just the the limitations for hip-hop in a lot of ways um i think there's a really big argument to be had there and i think just depending on what kind of hip-hop listener you are you'll you'll agree or not agree with that on a on a spectrum but i think most people i think most people have him you know 20s 30s at least top 50 but yeah he's probably my top 10 maybe my sixth best rapper of all time sixth greatest rapper of all time you know, like, because not only did he have those albums, but he also had, like, the Friday soundtrack. <laughs> and then, like, the way his movies kind of paralleled hip-hop music um, and and added another dimension to what he and others were already talking about for, you know, hip- black communities in terms of music and hip-hop uh, mm-hmm. and doing it with the movies and then providing the soundtracks to then just, like, make uh, an entire... 360 vision of it all so yeah i have endless good things to say about ice cube he's not a trump supporter and we should uh we should appreciate the guy (coughs) but that's not what we're here to talk about is it (laughs) would you rather talk about hazelnut grove first or would you rather talk about mad lib first Hmm. i don't know i'm i'm kind of excited to talk about mad lib i mean i'm excited to talk about both of them but um I mean, what, whichever one y'all want to hop into first. You know what? We'll, we'll rope people right in. We'll, we'll start talking about Mad Lib. Because I think, All right. well, I know yeah. I'm excited to talk about Mad Lib. Yeah. I'm sure Trent is. And I'm sure some of our listeners are excited to hear us talk about Mad Lib because yep. they know how we get down. They know how we feel about the dude. Um, drop the, uh, One sec, guys. I'll be right back, actually. Hey, buddy. What's up? Nothing. Nothing. You been you been skating lately? Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's been wet, but even if I it, haven't skated at all lately. Yeah, it's it's tough to right now, and I'm I'm like super scared to go to a like a crowded skate park, especially like yeah that it's nice. I just know that those places are gonna be so packed. Yeah, and uh, and skate skate skateboard culture is so unsafe and not doesn't consider inconsiderate of everybody (laughs) like people like not wearing masks at parks and shit oh yeah well and seeing so much footage from down in like southern california right like all these dudes just like chilling next to each other in these crowded ass places like hugging and like dapping each other up and shit it's wild, but it's the same way with like basketball. Like I, I walk by like Irving Park and everyone's just like, you're literally right. like posting up on a dude like, like six inches away from you, like sweating and spitting and shit and like, yeah. it's I'm like fuck, man, that's gross. It's whack. It's I've definitely been skating outside of the park a lot more. Like just find yeah. a nice looking curb or like finding like a flat spot somewhere. And just right being antisocial but i mean if if you go i've been going in the mornings like burnside's usually pretty open in the morning um pier's usually pretty open whenever i go on a road trip with my girl like i always look up to see if there's some just random ass state park and i'm random park yeah yeah but when it's wet 
No, sir. Yeah. Tough yeah. out there. It's often wet outside here in Portland. It is often wet. Portland, Oregon. Hey, you know, but actually, I was gonna. I always forget to ask Trent, and I'm asking you to dip. Like, le- this last week or so, what have you been listening to in terms of music? Recently played type. In I've rotation. Been <laughs> what was that face, Trent? <laughs> like that's my that's my detective. Was, I'm gonna yeah, go snoop. Gonna go look. Yeah, let me look. Um, let oh, me tell I've been you what. Revisiting after hours a lot lately. Oh, you're having another after hours wave. I haven't listened to after well, hours in a while. Well, what happened is, <laughs> real quick, what happened is I went on YouTube and started watching all the videos again, and then I like went on Reddit and found out that all the videos are like sequential and like have like a it's like a story. So I looked up a Reddit thread on like what order you're supposed to watch them in. It's very crazy, and it makes the album even better. But I'm telling you, man, that, that album just gets better and better. It really does. Yeah, it's been getting real good. Um, now, looking at my recently played, uh, I was actually listening to a lot of uh, Shades of Blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You messaged me about that. Yeah. I, I, I've recently started listening to it again. I, I love it. I mean, just like cruising around fucking doing nothing around playing video games and shit um but do you you like like um sorry do you like i posted this recently too alone together by kareem riggins never heard it okay i recommend that too okay um just kind of in that same Mm -hmm. same feel honestly as the shades of blue but go on yeah i especially with after Doom passed away, I mean, Doom's my favorite rapper all time, you know. So hearing hearing him passing away, tough. I mean, I already listened to a lot of them, but looking at my recently played, it's like Victor Vaughn, King Ghidra, Madville <laughs> and Radio, um, and then like all his like Metal Fingers like mm-hmm. volumes. Mm-hmm. Those are sick. Like I I loved those, but then I've been also also listening to a lot of like bluegrass 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 kind of guy what's Um, what's one bluegrass artist we should check out oh man fucking check out pete seeger pete seeger pete seeger is man what can i say is he at all related to bob seeger uh not that i know of okay all right but i i love pete seeger because he he adds in like a lot of commentary into his shit and he was active a lot during like the 50s 60s and 70s that's probably like the bulk of his shit Mm. but he would get like turned down for gigs because he was a communist and like all of his songs were like pro-union anti-war anti-government kind of shit um but then he also writes songs and like renditions of like puff magic dragon (laughs) songs like that you know so pete seeger's sick he'll sounds like a legend a banjo man Hot licks. <laughs> Shit. Hot licks on the banjo. <laughs> okay, word. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're trying to we're trying to expand, you know, we're trying to we're trying to develop our taste a little bit more, so. Yeah, blue bluegrass is sick. I I really love it. <laughs> I fuck with that. Um I've been I don't think my recently played this last week has been super interesting, but something that kind of almost randomly has been a a rotate for me this last week has been slime air. I haven't been listening to Slime Air in a good minute. Um, I do love that project, though. And I love 
I loved that this week when I went back and I listened to it, there was even a couple more songs that I, like, I wasn't so crazy. Maybe, no, 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 wait. I love the whole thing. I always love the whole thing. But you know how, like, the range of how much you love certain tracks kind of changes on an album that you really like. So down the road, you're like, oh, man, these tracks are, like, really good. They're kind of my favorites now. Um, so that's how I feel about a, a couple of the Slime Air tracks. And I also wanted to mention that I believe he got the best era of Megan the Stallion feature uh, mm. on that project. I think he, he got her at like one of her coolest time periods there. But um, yeah, I've been listening to that. Um, I can't stop listening to Mike and Navy Blue. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that, that post panic yeah. album is still like so it's so it's literally knocking me over the head. I mean, it just beats yeah. me over the head every single time. The words, the instrumentals, the sentiments—they just get me every freaking time. Like if I get like, ugh, sucks, man. Because I want I'm I'm gonna include it in my 2021 list because came out after we did the 2020, and like this shit might stay on that. Top it it 10. can stay, yeah. It's so good. It's really, really that good. I I, I don't feel like I'm hyping it up. Um, it's and yeah, yeah. I also in the last couple of days, as I do from time to time, I've been listening to pieces of a man, Gil Scott Heron. And you know why that is actually because the Navy Blue album kind of reminds me of Pieces of yeah. a Man, and and that's why I like it so much. Um, so yeah, I would say those have been three of my bigger ones in the past. One more thing that I've been listening to, and I uh, am starting to kind of eat my words on a little bit. Shout out. Uh, Jared, a lot of red is starting to grow on me a little more. I haven't been, I haven't been listening to a whole lot of red, so I haven't really given it the chance to grow on me so much. The thing is, like now that I'm kind of past the point where I'm like, okay, I gotta evaluate this album and like figure out what I like and don't like. I just skipped the first half, and the second half is like a really good album. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I do like that about. Well, sorry, and that is interesting about our reviewing process because sometimes when when that element is taken is taken away and it's just like right. either listen to it or don't um yeah i kind of like that and i think i think a whole lot of red gets better when you're not grading the whole album it's like yeah if i skip those first seven tracks or so that i don't really like <clears throat> i mean i pointed that out i was like literally if the album just started here uh it'd probably be like an eight out of a ten uh, eight out of ten for me but Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I need some more listens on that. Anyways, Mad Lib, we're back. So, epic first single again, Road of the Lonely Ones. Really, really, um, like, say you've never listened to Mad Lib before, and this is the first song you ever heard. I don't really get what's not to love about it. This, this would grab you. This would definitely grab you. So. Um, as always, you know, I love that there are all, there are these sampled elements on top of these live played instruments or, or, you know, there's always that mix of, of real things going on and then things happening inside of a a machine, uh, with, um, again, 41 minutes, 16 songs. So not incredibly long. Um, and then songs themselves are usually pretty short, 
kind of transition in and out. And um, I guess I'll kick it off by saying that maybe the number one thing that I thought was great about this album is like the simplicity of it. I feel like maybe one of the best assets of a Mad Lib is, yeah, he's like kind of a wizard, but at the same time, there's so many tracks on this particular project that just kind of like, it's not a lot going on, but he always finds a groove. He always finds a rhythm. He always finds kind of a a catch. Sometimes it's a little weirder. Sometimes it's a little more like easy on the ears, but he's always really great at finding that catch. You know what album this this album made me think about? Another album that came out last year that made that this album makes me think about. Knowledge, uh, 1988. I guess they sound a lot different, but it was cool to hear Knowledge come out and and put out that project and see what it did last year for him. And uh, you know, most people that we talked to really enjoyed it as well. It got a lot of praise. I feel like you know from people close to us. I think that's kind of the nice thing about like instrumental albums sometimes. They're really good. I, I, I think this is simple enough to enjoy many times over, but I think it's, it's uh, nuanced enough to kind of go back a second time, a third time, a fourth time, and still get something kind of new out of it each time. And I think we got some uh, Freddie Gibbs freestyles. Over two of these. Get in the hole about to get at head in that bitch 950. Bitch, get with me. I'm in Hollywood skating down the fucking street. Hey, nigga, bang, bang, skeet, skeet, bang, bang, skeet, skeet, sell dope on the street. Gangsta kid, ride with the motherfucking 50 fleet. Got the Jeep 550. His, his uh, original Instagram, his Freddie Gibbs Instagram. Yeah, when they changed their terms of services and a bunch of like. You know, sex worker Instagrams and stuff got taken down. Like, also, he got wiped out in some of that. For some but his, his Freddy's Twitter is popping off. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. Now he's just taking that, uh, off. Fuck. That, uh, the cocaine rabbit one. God, how did I figure that, find out about that? It, he commented on, like, a SZA post, I think. <laughs> it was, like, like, what do you say? <laughs> I don't know, just like hard eyes emoji or some shit. And then I like, but it was like the number one comment. And I was like, who the fuck is this? It's just a cocaine rabbit or cane rabbit or whatever. And I went and I was like, what is this? Is this like a parody account? And then no, it's just actually his, I, I guess it's his new account. Yeah, it's his little <laughs> it was private just like account. like weird burner account or something. They're on that cocaine rabbit Instagram if you want to check. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, Madlib posted them too on the Quasimodo uh instagram as well he's just bullshitting you know just like going over some of these but this is a great project to start from the beginning and play it this is a great project to start halfway through it and start playing it this is a great project to pull songs out of it for playlists um yeah i I guess i i guess i don't know much more to say about it than just that i basically everything i expected from a mad lib album Right. Whenever I listen to Mad Lib's shit, I always get like this kind of futuristic sense. You know, like it almost has like a kind of a funkadelic, like futuristic kind of feel mm-hmm. to me. And especially when I like, I was looking at the album art because the the album art is a fucking trip. You know, with the circle and all. You know, the sorts yeah. of 
just some of like the the sounds that he pulls out make me feel like he's like envisioning a completely different world and i i fucking love it yeah and again simple enough to where i kind of get that sense of it early you know i i kind of get where he's going but also nuanced complex enough goaded enough that it's just going to take me some time to kind of think about what he had in mind for a lot of these projects and i'll probably never know that but uh or for for these songs um now the the cover did interest me though because um i don't know if this is what this is but isn't there like um it looks like if you like you put salt or something like that like on a on a drum right right and and like when you hit it certain ways it's going to make a certain pattern because all the different uh iterations of the of the the cover with the singles and stuff they kind of do that um the one that he actually used for the cover it doesn't really look like something that would naturally happen like that but for that was what it it kind of brought to my mind and i mean it kind of makes sense because this album seems to focus on its percussion for each of the different songs and um um for some of the different tracks i feel like he you know he swapped out those percussions to give you a a really worldly sound on you know Mm -hmm. different parts of what was going on so it was cool to hear like what we're listening to now latino negro have kind of the spanish guitar over it Mm -hmm. but you know he'll he'll take it to some more kind of african influenced um drum progressions and just overall sounding songs and Mm yeah i mean Again, it kind of just goes everything you kind of expect from the dude. There's a lot of live stuff that sounds like it took time to make. Um, there's a lot of really easy to catch grooves that just come from talented musicians playing in here. And then there's those kind of fun little nuance bits and pieces that he likes to put in there, whether for his own humor kind of kind of like you know um or just to leave those details in there so yeah like i thought it was uh funny we end the album with like this i love that shit it's so sick (laughs) this is like such a fun way to just end this like okay this is my lasting memory of the project um yeah, I don't know if y'all have anything else to say about it. This is definitely something that's going to take me another another couple of weeks of just listening to to really get an honest feel for it. Um, I can tell I love it. I can tell I really, really enjoyed my first few listens with it. But um, I also feel like I'm going to get more out of it Like once we're done doing this review. Yeah, for sure. I'll say, I guess, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat where I think it's probably going to take me a little while to like really appreciate it but i will say that like i'm looking at his pat his last like couple releases and stuff and it's like okay the professionals with ono um obviously bandana the med albums all this stuff is like kind of un it's kind of clean for madlib like all that stuff is like kind of like polished up for what Madlib 
did prior to the, that run of albums. Okay. Because, I mean, you go back to, like, the beat conductor stuff, the rock conductor stuff, even Champion Sound, I feel like... I love Champion Sound. Dilla, Dilla was the cleaner moments on that album. I think Madlib always has had kind of, like, a penchant for, like... Like he's such a sponge. Like he just like absorbs <laughs> yeah. like all yeah. influence and all yeah. sound, and he kind of like, like I, I mean I'm I'm sure that's why he's kind of like a recluse in a way. Like he just he he has all this information in him, and when you get like an album like this, and and part of my French I guess because it's more jazz oriented. Obviously, I think you get stuff that like is weirdly for like this era of madlib like not the norm but i mean you go back far enough and sound ancestors i feel like this fits in so well with like i'm going i'm looking back at like the medicine stuff and you know 22 2000s madlib but like that kind of stuff yeah. was like all like this mm -hmm. because it's way more like jazz influence but man like I, a couple I, of these tracks on this thing like I liked what you said about him. Right kinda, away, I was like, this is so cool. Oh, sorry. I liked what you say, said about him kind of being a sponge for all different kinds of music because I, I right. thought he put some really baseline, enjoyable elements into a few different musical styles, whether that be having a little bit of a rock moment. Um, obviously, being able to put jazz into this in a, in a, in a very competent way b because of his experience in it, um, the hip-hop elements of it, and just kind of whatever he wanted to put into it, especially if it was a non-American kind of sound. Um, yeah, his ability to, to transmute that stuff is, is what makes this kind of a really cool project. Yeah. I mean, he spends, like, what, 90% of his time just, like, listening to records? Like, is like, how do you... I mean, I, honestly, not everybody is like that, where, I mean, I could probably listen to, like, music for most of my life like spend most of my time doing that and i wouldn't be able to retain as much like information and like the ability to like uh put put those sounds and take those cues and stuff and mm -hmm. make like a an actual all in a collage together. a new iteration of sure. that and yeah. you know like it's pretty incredible but like i mean there's a couple songs on here. like i said it's gonna take me a while to like kind of settle back into that that type of Mad Lib mm -hmm. album, you know? Well, there's a couple of songs. Like, I, th I thought that, like, the the three tracks in the middle, Hop Rock, Rhythm Chant, and Sound Ancestors, I thought all three of those had, like, super great rhythm, super great, like, vibes right off the bat. And yeah. actually reminded me a lot more of, like, Donuts era dilla like i thought like, i noticed that, kind of that too yeah yeah a I lot really of those like that. you you mentioned the percussion i think is obviously like the main feature of the of this project but i mean some of those like the dustiness on some of those like bass drums and stuff like that's so like that great producer era you know i don't know i i, I really liked it yeah, I, I appreciate what you said there because that's another thing that makes this album experience really worth it. Like, yeah, there's definitely some out there Mad Lib kind of like if you're not really a fan of the abstract or artsy, you know, stuff, I guess, or just what, you know, that like what Mad Lib is kind of liable to do. 
yeah, you might be a little thrown off by that, but there are enough like really simply enjoyable moments in here mm-hmm. to to keep you going throughout the project. And um, I think this is a great kind of ear opener, mind opener for some listeners. Because um, <clears throat> it's been a while since Madlib has just kind of done a project like this. And again, it kind of reminded me of knowledge in the way that he is not always a dude that's just going to come out and do like a, a real deal studio album and promo it drop singles do the whole nine yards basically um right and so you know always making music but not always giving you that um and giving you something that's supposed to kind of like open you up to even more fans and whatnot um so uh i'm interested to find out by like the end of this year which of those two albums i'm gonna like more because the 1988 one is really awesome for different reasons, but also does the same thing in terms of gives you those moments that you're going to instantly enjoy and then make sure to pepper in all those things that really make it a knowledge or a mad lib mm-hmm. project that really make it different than anything that anybody would really offer you. Um, that's what I'll be saying for, for moving forward in the future um cool yeah that's 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 it for mad lib um sound ancestors somewhat i feel like a bit incomplete of an opinion on it but i'm i'm 75 percent of the way there to saying like this is pretty dope this is really dope this is really really great i had a lot of fun listening to this and i'm sure i will continue to have a lot of fun listening to this and I, w- I don't see why I wouldn't be listening to this at least somewhat pretty often, like, down towards the end of the year. So we'll have to see what kind of music drops this year. But already I, I, we're getting in that, you know, that list range. And since we're not talking and since we couldn't do the Navy Blue shit in the last year, I mean, we already got two projects. I feel like I wouldn't be shocked if they're in my top 10 of 2021. Right. That Navy Blue shot, man. If that <laughs> I know. Had been I know. Included in my, if that had been included in 2020, I think that would have beat out a good handful of albums I had in there. Yeah. I'm honestly kind of glad I didn't get to that was the album that I wanted from that scene. Like, I just didn't feel like I got a, anything. I, I mean, obviously, we got the, um, the Mike album. The like that might, was really cool. Yeah, it would have been the closest thing to it where it's like really reflective. It's like Right. You know. It's it's really narrated. And I mean I, I really liked the uh uh Fly Seafoods. Like I thought that was cool. Yeah. But like that Navy Blue album was like uh, I just want like a really cathartic yep. yeah, really. moment from that crew. Yep. And that shit is like Really Perfect. drive home the personal element of it, the human element of it. Yeah. Which I guess the the mic did too, but that is so much more niche and less applicable. I mean, right. not th- not that it's so out there, but these na- the Navy Blue project. I feel like I could su- I could suggest that to so many people. And I have suggested you, it. To so yeah, many people. and you may not like be in love with it like I did, but I feel like those beats all speak for themselves, and I feel like the rapping all really speaks for itself it's really easy to enjoy type of thing 
<clears throat> yeah, I I would have uh I would have had to move some albums out of my out of the way for my top 10 list to accommodate that album if it was if we were going to consider it a 2020 type thing. Yeah, we can uh slide from Mad Lib. Uh definitely check that out if you haven't. Um mm-hmm. you know, The Goat, just get you a little little taste of The Goat. Um but we brought Ethan on not only because he's a huge Mad Lib fan and not only because he's uh, a, f- a friend of the show and a, and a respected opinion amongst myself and Trent, um, but he's also been a real busy guy uh, as of late. And so I guess I just want to start by asking you what the nature of your work has been like through 2020 if that really like kind of brought a new emphasis or, you know, maybe just, you know, things that you had to change and do, what was that year like for you? And what's 2021 been like you in terms of the nature of your work uh, so far? Yeah. 2020. I mean, obviously with, with the pandemic coming down, um, it's a lot, (laughs) it's, it's impossible to, to do stuff in person. Um, So Coming into 2020, I was just getting done doing some legislative work um, down in the state capitol um, and moved more into like development style work for the job that I actually get paid for. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the all the organizing that I've done over the past, like going on three years now, mm-hmm. um, been completely volunteer, unpaid. Um, that's the shit outside of my nine to five. Um, that's but, the five to nine five to nine that's the five it's to nine, nine to five and it's the the five fifteen the five fifteen to, to eight forty five yeah <laughs> whenever we get it done yeah um but i mean it's been the the same kind of shit um you know just a lot of like infrastructure and movement building mm-hmm. in the community um and the group that i organized with is called the oregon poor people's campaign um and we're just trying to build a, a revolutionary movement that uh, centers the voices of the most impacted but we're trying to do it all around the state you okay know? so we were already used to doing this zoom shit for years oh okay Having meetings you know all the time on zoom because we're we're trying to reach out to the poor and impacted folks around the state um but you know having rallies or doing in-person work is just so much more efficient than doing everything on zoom um, especially when we talk about, you know, the isolation and the needs, um, that impacted folks have to deal with, especially during a pandemic. Um, it's been really, really tough for us not to meet with like our unhoused, like organizers or, sure. um, you know, meet with our, our base and our members. Um, because it's, it's just isolating. I mean, yeah. zoom fatigue and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't share meals together. We can't, you know, bum cigarettes off each other, you know, or anything like that. Um, so it's been, it's been the same shit, but in a different way, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think especially in a time of like civil unrest and uprising, um, a lot of our work has been centered around like, you know, supporting and, pl- and providing uh, supplies and mutual aid for a bunch of like unhoused camps around town mm-hmm. also doing a lot of like anti-racist education um you know we for a while we were doing these like bi-weekly almost monthly like 
regional member calls with just folks that signed up for our newsletter. Mm. Um, it was like a bunch of older white folks, like well-off white folks who were hopping on because they, they wanted to learn how to do better, I think. Okay. <laughs> um, so it was a lot of like, hey, like, check it out. Like, <laughs> this is what white privilege is, and this is how, like, you're blowing it right now. How do um, they respond to that? Man. <laughs> well, I mean, there's – it felt like a lot of them weren't really – they were ready to, to want to do the work but it took a while for them to be ready to actually do the work of like how to decenter themselves, um, how to educate so they can re-educate themselves um, and how to actually like listen to impacted folks. Because while they were like wanting to center the voices of like black and brown folks, um, they still weren't ready to center like poor folks' voices. Sure. Um, Especially in Portland. Um, so there was a lot of energy, a lot of people wanting to do things, um, you know, in the height of the summer and yep. um, the, 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 we're stuff. listening, we hear you, we see right. you phase right. of what was going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now they're, you know, they got their reading lists and they've read all the articles and they're reading all these books and everything. And, you know, the numbers started sort of tapering down on who's shown up to our calls, but, sure. um, which yeah. and that's kind of to be expected. I mean, right, we kind of right. we kind of sense that it would feel this way, right? Um, but like that's that's what part of the work is is all about is read a lot of reading, a lot of thinking, a lot of internal work. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta decolonize yourself before you can decolonize the world. You know, I mean, it, it was the decolonize black decolonize your mind. Yeah, did a lot of political education because their philosophy was like, if you're not studied up enough we can't have you out in public making us look like fucking fools. Yeah. You know, you gotta be on your game. You yeah. gotta be sharp. And that's why they, you know, they really hammered home a lot of political education internally. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's quiet work. It's not like sexy, you know, on the news, on Twitter kind of shit. Um, but it looks like three hour zoom calls on a Friday night, uh, you know, talking about a book that you read or an article that you read and like how that lands on you according to like, what your background is and like your education. Um, and that's, that's what organizing looks like. It's not always out in the streets. Um, even though a lot of it is out in the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's pretty much been 2020. And then, I mean, towards the end of the year, um, a lot of the organizers that we're in relationship with who are either living on the streets or were living on the streets, um, you know, they, you know, all those sweeps happened and the shit at Laurelhurst yeah, yeah. went down. Yeah, I live, I live um, right and, by there. And, like, all that stuff's really started to kick up, not only because winter was coming up, but, like, the pandemic was getting worse. Yep. Um, and the city was still, like, dehumanizing our unhoused neighbors and treating them like fucking animals. Yeah. Throwing them around, displacing them, taking their, their shit. And then, um, I don't know if, if y'all really know a whole lot about hazelnut grove as like an institution or as a place mm-hmm. um, but hazelnut grove is a it's a tiny cabin village right on like interstate and greeley like okay. if you're going up i-5 north and you get off at the greeley exit there's that bike path and there's just like this village trent that would be closer to you than me right i drive by it every day on the way home from work 
Yeah. So that, that spot's been there since 2015. And it started off as like a, an unsanctioned camp, or at least by the mm -hmm. city standards, an unsanctioned camp. Um, but it eventually just grew into this like small self-governed village of, you know, a dozen or more people. Um, and they've, they've been there ever since. It's, it's been a spot that folks have been able to come and start a life. Um, it's provided stable housing um, and, you know, just a whole sense of community that a lot of folks weren't getting either on the streets or in social services. Um, and when I say self-governed, I'm not saying like it's a Maywood Park, like a city within a city. Um, it's just self-governed outside of like the normal social service system. Um, so they have a, a general assembly, they have a board, um, all the rules that they abide by in that community is set by the residents for the residents. Um, so these are people coming in that are creating an environment according to their own conditions. Instead of having folks set rules and policies for a community according to what the grant writer says or what the company policy says. Um, so the, it's, it's the, in the truest sense, like for us, by us. Mm. They've got a garden and they've got like a community area. Um, they have, they've got a fucking library there that like the community helps manage, not only the community within the Grove, but you know, folks out in the neighborhood, different organizations, they donate books and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So it's a place of like really stable housing and community for a lot of folks. Um, people have jobs, people have gotten sober there, people stay sober there. Mm. Um, it's, it's their family. But it exists, it's existed in a sort of a gray area with the city for a really long time. Um, so back in like 2016, sure. actually had conversations with the city um, and the city allowed them to, to be there. Mm -hmm. um, not in any sort of official capacity, but sure, yeah, but they got kind of like a verbal, Right. Or... It was, it was a, a mutual understanding. Exactly. Like, yeah. Y'all are doing your thing. Um, you know, the city didn't want them there, but um, the city allowed them to be there. Yeah. And interestingly enough, the city actually promised, Hey, like we want to help you guys find a different spot where you can a permanent, a permanent spot, a permanent plot of land where y'all can keep doing your thing. The city promised that uh, like four or five years ago. Um, but as with most uh, <laughs> groups of unhoused folks in Portland, yeah. um, the Overlook Neighborhood Association really started to get up in arms. I mean, we hear this term nimbyism, not in my, not oh, in my backyard. Oh, nimbyism. Okay. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Not in my backyard, uh, though. That's what that, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the Overlook Neighborhood um, is just up the hill. Um, it's sort of like the Overlook Park, the Bluffs area, Moxcrest sort of area. Um, and those neighbors like started putting a lot of pressure on the city to move Hazelnut Grove. Yeah. Because um, they didn't want poor folks in their neighborhood. Yeah. They said crime is going to increase. Yep. Um, it doesn't, it makes our neighborhood not look good yep. and we don't feel safe. When in reality, the crime rate in Overlook after Hazelnut Grove moved in, the crime rate actually went down. And and we know that, you know, that's not that's not a result of 
Like that's just a further upstream right issue. All of those things that you just stated kind of like mm-hmm. that's all further and deeper than these people that moved to this place. Right. Right. And neighborhood associations across the city of Plate are really integral part yes. of the dehumanizing of unhoused folks, you know, anywhere and everywhere. Because you brought up, sorry to interrupt you, you brought up, um, and and you did a good job of, because I was going to ask you to, for anybody that is listening to the podcast, which is a lot of people who don't live here, um, that obviously wouldn't really know anything about what it's like here. I was going to hope that you could kind of paint for people what houselessness like and the epi- you know the the, the epidemic of right. it is kind of about here in this state but i think you've kind of done a good job because you touched on like prior to what you're speaking about right now we've been having a lot of sweeps so i i, I just told right. you my girlfriend works for the department of homeless services right. and so she's like i've just been hearing about every sweep that they do and one of them was you know the laurelhurst one which we live right, right. by and for that whole summer, yeah, I mean, it was, like, blocked up. There were tons of tents all around the park. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so they came through, and they tried to do that sweep. There was so there was a good amount of protests, like, before it actually happened, until it actually happened. But mm-hmm. when that sweep happens, then it's, like, it's just somewhere else in a different part of the neighborhood that right. people get shifted to. And so now right. when I go down by, uh, I forget what the school is, Sunnyside School, yeah. man, yeah. and I, I don't want to be di- un- like insensitive by using this term, but like we literally have shanty towns like all over the city because there's no there's no permanent solution right. for houselessness really in America, but Portland right. and Seattle, they really seem to be interesting places about like how this is right. going down. Right. Yeah, I, you know, I. I do want to give a little bit of background and I of course have notes written down, (laughs) but just to give folks who may not live in Oregon, like a little bit more of a a background on it. um, In order to apparently in order to afford a two bedroom apartment in the state of Oregon, you have to be making $24 an hour full-time employment, which in Multnomah County, specifically in the city of Portland, the the minimum wage is like ten dollars less than that. Yeah, it's like thirteen something, close to fourteen, but not quite right. there. So at the current minimum wage rate, which is about twelve dollars twelve dollars an hour, oh wow, you have to work sixty seven hours a week to afford the average two bedroom apartment in the state of Oregon. So that's statewide. That's, now that's I, considering I all rural the zip areas code that I'm in nine seven two one four. Same. Which is pretty close to y'all. Yep. Um, it would, in order to rent a one bedroom apartment, you'd have to you'd have to be making twenty eight dollars an hour at full time employment in our zip code. Twenty eight dollars an hour at full time employment, which is insane. And to to rent a two bedroom apartment, you'd have to be making. Thirty-two and a half dollars an hour at full-time employment. That's that's what it costs to live in this part of the city. Um, and so that's just one of the one of the ways that you know housing insecurity and homelessness and poverty in general is being really propped up in our in our state and in our city. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I have all these other statistics of how housing insecurity and homelessness disproportionately affect um, the BIPOC community, the mm-hmm. queer community. Um, we're, we're really in the shits over here in Portland. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are a couple thousand folks on any given night experiencing homelessness in the city, yeah. but there's also like almost 13,000 folks that if any sort of rental or social service like assistance would be cut, there'd be like 13,000 folks that would be in some really deep shit. So we're, we're right on the edge and we're, we're in it over here in Portland for sure. Um, and it's been an issue that's like only been getting worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just wanted to add a little bit more of that context because, you know, especially in a pandemic where folks are out of work, um, you know, places are, are not as populated by tourism or just generally by other folks. Um, you know, these, these encampments are popping up because folks are finding solutions to their own conditions. And that with the commentary of like, I used to work in a homeless shelter for two years and shelters are dangerous. Mm, yeah. Dangerous for folks. Really just, um, and, and, and not because, I don't know, I don't want to like, uh, what we're not trying to do is paint these um, communal living areas or just uh, plots where there are lots of houseless people kind of, right. you know, staying that mm-hmm. that is inherently dangerous, but the, I don't know, just the circumstances of it all. Yeah. is really, is really dangerous. And, and mm-hmm. it's not to their fault that right. that what's going on makes these areas a lot more dangerous, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. And you know, the, the city and the county has been putting a lot of money towards opening shelters, which is yeah. an option for some folks. But, you know, a lot of, I mean, the, the street community is really small in Portland. Yeah. You know, people develop beefs, um, you know, people abuse each other. Um, and shelters are a place where, like, that stuff really, like, it confronts people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've worked with folks where, you know, they wanted to leave because they were two bunks down from somebody that had sexually abused them years before. And that's like such a traumatizing experience. Um, not only that, but also, you know, according to CDC guidelines, a lot of shelters are, are dangerous places for folks because everyone's on top of each other. Really hard to, to work mm-hmm. around what's going on right now right. in the shelters, right. especially when we are sort of popping up shelters right now. These aren't, right. these aren't institutions that have been around for a long time. And Right. And no, like we're making this all as we go. Yeah, I kind of watched right. all that play out as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all of that, you know, background, you know, coming into Hazelnut Grove, um, the, the city in relationship with Multnomah County and the nonprofit Do Good Multnomah um, had the idea a couple of years ago because of the Overlook Neighborhood Association demanded that they find a different solution to Hazelnut Grove. Um, found a plot of land in the St. John's neighborhood of North Portland um, on a, on church property to sort of like you're saying that like make a pop-up shelter, but Mm -hmm. instead of a shelter, they really liked this model of tiny home villages. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those were sort of based off of the model of not only Hazelnut Grove, which is one of the oldest um, more seasoned tiny home villages in Portland, but also places like Right to Dream 2, Right to Survive, mm-hmm. Dignity Village, Kenton Women's Village, 
um, you know, these these are styles of of community that are already um, that have already been in the community, but created by unhoused folks and their allies. But now um, the city and the county are wanting to create like artificial communities like that. So they had said, hey, we're going to move everybody from Hazelnut Grove into this village up in St. John's. Um, but they only gave them priority like review. So it, it wasn't guaranteed, but they say, hey, if you apply to live in this village, then we'll give you a certain sense of priority. Um, mm -hmm. And the villagers didn't want that. They said, no, like, we've got a good thing going on here. We like it here. This is the best place for us here. Um, and, you know, they didn't want to go. Um, so, so now the, they're right resorting now, to a sweep? Say that again? So now they're resorting to a sweep, like, as kind of because of well, that? The, or? And this is a part of the, the traumatizing thing for unhoused folks with the city. Um, there's so much ambiguity. Sure. Where in a press release, the city has said that they're going to decommission the village. Um, but like, what does decommissioning mean? That sounds and scary. <laughs> the city hasn't even like given a, a specific date when they're going to be decommissioning the village. They just said within a month. Um, so the, the demands of the village right now are that, you know, city of Portland, either let us stay here and continue being self-governed because we don't want to be, you know, a cog in the social services machine. We don't want to be just like another number, another figure, another metric, uh, in, you know, these people's grant reporting. Like we, we want to do this for ourselves. Yeah. You know, we want to contribute to our own survival. Um, so they either want to stay on the plot of land that they're at, or they want the city to do good on their original promise of helping them find a plot of land where they're able to continue being self-governed. Mm -hmm. Now in the news, there's been a lot of talk about like, oh, how many people are actually moving from the Grove? And the, the media is saying like, oh, a majority of the folks are moving out of the village. The majority of the folks who are living there want to move out. Um, but I, I was talking to talking to a comrade over there, and they said that not even a third of the people are moving out. So out of the the fifteen people that are living there, only four or five people are moving out. Mm -hmm. It's like <laughs> way under the number of people that the media have been been saying is actually moving out. Um, but even still, like those folks are are only moving out because they don't want to get swept. These are people that have already been brutalized by the city. Mm -hmm. They're moving out just to avoid conflict, which is really sad. Um, it's coercion, it's violence, it's intimidation, um, all to get more folks into a social service system that doesn't actually meet their needs like Hazelnut Grove does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, to so give them we, a lesser option than they've already... Right they've already constructed for themselves. That's pretty devastating. Right. And, you know, since we've already been in relationship with a lot of the residents, you know, the, they came to the residents of Hazelnut Grove came to my group, the Oregon Poor People's Campaign. And they said, hey, we really want some support in organizing to fight this. Mm -hmm. um, we, we want to stay. This is the best place for us. And we want all of y'all's help to help us make it happen. So um, in 
you know, in cooperation with the residents, we we wrote a press release that turned into a petition. And for the past like month or so, we've been distributing the petition, telling the city, hey, like lay off. Mm -hmm. um, and just this morning, that petition reached 5,000 signatures. Um, so that's 5,000 people in the Portland metro area across the state and actually across the country. I don't know how our petition is getting out, but we're seeing comments from like Pennsylvania and like New York and like Midwest saying like, this, this cause is really important to us. This mm -hmm. resonates with our communities over here. So that's why we wanna give our support to you. So five, over 5,000 folks are saying that they want to save Hazelnut Grove and support the community in that sort of way. Um, you know, we've, we've been on KGW, um, we've been on OPB, we've been in the, you know, we're about to be in the Oregonian. Um, Alex Zielinski over at the Mercury wrote um, oh, an article yeah. on, on the Grove. Yeah. Um, so it's an, it's an issue that should be confrontational to our, our society right now. Um, and it's, yeah. It's, it's really, really crucial and really, um, really emotional for, for a lot of those residents there. Um, they've been displaced their entire lives and they just want to stay in a place that has worked for them. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I can imagine uh, how basically personally traumatizing that, that, that this is for you to see, you know, basically people being, I'll just say, moved off of plotted places of land that they were promised and and you know giving sort of fake solutions or really temporary solutions right. or solutions that are just not um really better than what certain people can be right. doing for themselves and so i uh, i completely understand you know why you've gotten yourself so involved and and um <clears throat> so centrally involved in this and um I don't know. I'm really happy that you've gotten to come here and speak about it because it's it's you've kind yeah. of you've kind of spoken it into a whole another world of context for me right. that that um, I can I can understand a little bit better. So I appreciate you doing that, man. Um, yeah. Is is there anything that Trent and I can do today to help you after we're done with this in terms of um, I don't know spreading what you're saying here on this podcast or mm -hmm. What can we do to help you? Yeah, I mean, right now the the residents have only asked their supporters to to continue to sign and distribute the petition to all their friends. Yeah. Um, so, I I'll, I'll shoot you guys the link to the petition, but yeah, because um, I haven't signed it yet, so please do. Yeah, I'll I'll send that over to you, and and would love you know to to have it up like in the description or you know something like that. Will do. Um, the petition's also linked to linked on our Facebook page um, and on Hazelnut Grove's Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Um, so go check those out on those platforms. Um, and yeah, I mean, just continue to, to stand in solidarity. And if folks feel inclined to, you know, shoot Ted Wheeler, Dan Ryan, and Sam Adams emails saying, you know, listen to the voices of the impacted. Yeah. Because um, when, when we talk about liberation for our people, for anybody, for everybody, you know, liberation can't happen until you listen to the people. Until you center them in, in their own solutions. You know, so yeah. just continuing to like push that message and, you know, link and sign the petition and everything like that. Um, tell your mom, tell your dad. Yeah, I will. <laughs> your grandma, your neighbors, 
tell everybody yeah because um, i i have and 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 also just to say one last thing like uh, just to reiterate the point that hazelnut grove is so emblematic of a problem that like you said has mm-hmm. progressively gotten worse and worse in portland but has mm-hmm. always really been a thing i mean I remember even just, and it goes back further than this, but say like high school age when we were all going to high school together, middle school age and stuff like Mm -hmm. you would see these houseless encampments around the city, you know, like Mm -hmm. right off of highways and the little stretch of grass that's where the exit is or down underneath the bridge or something like that. And you'd see like it build up, build up, build up, and then everything be gone. And mm-hmm. then you'd see it come back or you'd see these same people move somewhere else. And so it, it has mm-hmm. clearly always been this like, you know, Band-Aid solution. And, and really, it's kind of been that way. Like I said, when I was in Seattle, it really felt similar, yeah. you know, and, and I know that yeah. in places like California, um, it really these West Coast states, you know, where the weather is less extreme, you know, um, and it's easier to live on the streets if that's really something that you could say um that it's 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 just it's not something that can be fixed i mean it really comes down to housing people and finding permanent solutions for them and whatnot but and for the folks at hazelnut grove like this is their permanent housing solution exactly yeah you know and it's it's sustainable and it's proven and it's created by the people that benefit benefit from it so I love that that's your message, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so yeah, much for, for educating I, I us. I appreciate the text and, you know, love you guys and, and really appreciate, uh, you know, you guys putting the spotlight on it. So it means a lot to me. Absolutely. It means a lot for us to have you here and to be able to talk about these sorts of things mm-hmm. on a music podcast because, I mean, yeah. we really care a lot more about a lot of other things. So yeah. um, thank you, man. All I can say right is on. thank you. We got, uh, we, we actually got like four more guests coming to the show right now. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to get them in the, in the waiting room, um, and get them all loaded up and ready to talk. But, uh, dip, we're going to let you go for the day, man. We're going to let you do your thing. What the, what does the rest of your day look like real quick? Man, I might, I don't know. My, my girl's out of town, so I don't really have a lot to do, but uh, make some food, maybe find a nice curb to skate for a little bit. And, <laughs> there you, know, you just, go. Yeah. Just chillax. I don't yeah. have any meetings at all today. So it's, that's uh, good, man. It's a lazy Saturday. I love that. I love that for you. Definitely need some, some desensitized time. Word. Yeah. Word. Yeah. All right, bro. Thank all you righty. so much. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, man. Right on. Peace. Best of luck, bro. All right, we got one, two, three, four. Yo, six of us in the Zoom chat. I've never done this before. Morning. Good morning. What's up? What's up? What's up? Um, real quick to everybody that's on here with us, welcome to the New Music Monday podcast. Uh, I'm Dev, Dev Domolino, Uh, And right over here is Trent, Trent Louder, my man Pax, um, kind of my partner in crime with the show. Now, y'all can be honest. Have any of y'all listened to the show before? I have not. Yeah, Cole sent to an episode yesterday. I'm subscribed to the YouTube channel. Okay. Did you send something yesterday? I didn't even see that. That's my bad. Actually, hold on. Before I keep talking, is my mic good? 
Your mic sounds great. Yeah, you good. Most of you guys all sound great. You guys all look great too. Um, so, uh, well, first of all, thank you guys if you have checked out the podcast or subscribed to the YouTube channel or yeah, I dropped a little um a little like bonus episode yesterday. Oh, we got one more person c- coming in too. God damn. Oh yeah, Sam. Yeah, it should be Sam. Oh, yeah, shit, the Kiwi. Yeah. I saw that you uh, posted there was an episode with Dominic. I just never got the chance to check it out. Dominic's the man. On that, we talked about shit. What did we talk about? We talked about um, Viagra Boys. We talked uh, about the I've Viagra Boys. S- I wanted to check them out. I think Album. I've heard like one song from them. It was cool, but you know what I liked even more was this new Shame album that we just talked about, Drunk Tank Pink. Thought it had like way better, more consistent grooves on it, um, <clears throat> and was like a, a much more finely tuned experience. Where like the Viagra Boys is kind of like it had some awesome groovy moments, and then one place it would go here, one place it would go all the way over there, and uh, I liked the Drunk Tank Pink. I talked about it in that bonus episode because it just kind of all kept in the the same pocket but it's still a wild ride too i liked that element of it as well so um okay so cole you've been the one mostly talking to me for the past well i mean just in recent times in general and you've been following me for a while so again thank you for the continued support and any of y'all if y'all have ever checked us out again thank you for your continued support you guys are all awesome um but here's one quick question i want to start off um well where is everybody from y'all can go down the line i can start and you can introduce yourself with your name or what people you know would probably know you as your name or whatever all right uh i'm cole hamilton i'm a vocalist based out of louisville kentucky i don't i might am i next i don't know but yeah uh, i don't know what the order is popcorn (laughs) style bro somebody get in no we good um i'm liam liam kelly i'm from uh, melbourne produce stupid vocals um yeah you kind of skipped there for a moment but i heard you're from mel i'm gonna say it with an american accent melbourne australia um <clears throat> uh and you said you yeah, did yeah, mo- from from melbourne down down under down under <laughs> yeah and did you say most of your work has been production or did you say you are a vocalist as well in the group or yeah i've been doing more vocals um but yeah originally it was like mostly production but yeah, it's now probably almost 50-50, I'd say. Awesome. Let's see. We got, I see Juju up here. Juju, what's up with you? Hey, what's good? Yeah, I'm Juju. Uh, I'm also in Melbourne. Um, I am pretty much just vocals now. I used to help out with a little bit of graphics, and then we got Jack, who's like an infinitely better graphic designer. He's not here. Okay. Um, And I used to do a bit of production, but our production's gotten so good that I've just focused on vocals for the past year or so. So yeah, I'm just the uh, one of the vocalists. That's kind of nice. That's kind of nice. Though. Just one of the vocals. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty nice. All right. I also see fresh corn up here, man. What, yeah, I got to know about fresh uh, corn. Yeah, I'm interested in fresh corn. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Ali. I'm from Toronto. Oh, wow. And I do vocals. Awesome. Right. And it looks like, and Sam, I think, was the last one to come in here. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Hi, I'm Sam. Uh, I'm a producer for the group. Uh, so I do a fair bit of production uh, alongside Liam and Brady, who I don't think is here right now. Okay. So then in this group, we are missing Brady and um, what was the guy's name that did the Jack Jack that does your your graphics as well. And uh, does Jack just do graphics or does he like 
playing music or well he he just does graphics but he's like the biggest hype man to the point where like he'll be the one pushing ideas for shit for us to do because he's already done the designs for it that'll be like hey guys can we just do like can we do an ep here's the whole rollout i did it yesterday and we're like <laughs> oh um i guess we can do an ep like <laughs> word, word. <laughs> he's the most motivated dude yeah he's yeah, the man is a legend shout out jack yeah he's got the the mascot energy for sure um definitely need that guy in the crew so um okay very cool to meet you all because i've been hearing about you but the only person i really really kind of know on any level so far has been cole um but even then you know i haven't really i don't know i haven't really gotten to know you either yet um and really just through your guys's music so uh, I guess let's start with the very basic thing of like how y'all all found each other and, um, you know, who, who, I mean, who kind of came in first? Did y'all come in at the same time or, you know, what has been the process like for you and how long have you been, um, working together as a group as well? Um, I guess I can answer this cause, uh, Ali and I were, like have I guess have been in the longest. Um I think Ali was the first person actually to like post to Reddit and like he was trying to basically, you know, put a group together. And um I remember like back in the first iteration, the group was massive as like twenty people or something. Mm. Um and then kind of yeah, over the last couple of years people have gone in and out. But um yeah, I think it's really solidified um in the last kind of I don't know, 18 months, two years or so. I don't mm. know how, like, Cole, you, you've you got a good idea on the history of it as well. And uh, where yeah. on Reddit oh, did you guys link up? Yeah, it's pretty much just on different subreddits. Um, you know, like... Uh, I don't, were I, were they like music, were they like music subreddits? Yeah, I made a post on Brockhampton Reddit. Um, I think Fantano's Reddit. Like, I went on, like, a bunch of different <laughs> random subreddits. <laughs> okay, word. But like pretty much everyone came from the Brockhampton one. Okay. I can see that for sure. Yeah, uh, I think I posted on Brockhampton Tither, right? But Cole and I, and I guess Sam as well, we're the most recent ones. Um, I put a post on a random subreddit saying that I was moving to Melbourne and I was looking to link up with some creatives. So I legit moved my shit to the city. I had all my stuff in boxes. Liam and I met and had burgers the next day and we, he got sunburnt as shit while we were like chilling out in one of the city squares. And I went to his house the next day and the whole time we were having a session and trying to like cook up, he was just viciously rubbing aloe vera cream on his legs. <laughs> his man was fucking singed. Yeah, he's, he's down um, and that ended up being like, I didn't even know about the group at that point. Liam's like, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm in a band rah, 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 named youth service. And I thought the ship had already sailed. Cause I was like, Oh, they got an album out. Um, they're already like an active group. And then after like the end of the session, Liam was like, oh, would you, you know, if you'd want to join, I'm like, yes, I'm in, let's go. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess this r roster has been just over a year now, I guess, Sam, you'd be the most recent joinee and you joined uh, us in Cleveland, right? Yes. August 2019. Joined, yeah. Late, late 2019. So would that um, be like for this project out of focus, like in between, you know, I guess going um, into this project is when you kind of got into what is going on here. Yeah. So they were in the middle of making something. They didn't know what it was at the time. They just kind of, so a bunch of the current members at the time all went to Cleveland to kind of just 
work together in person and see how it worked out for like what was it a week yeah. um and they live streamed the whole thing on twitch and at that point i had been working with julian on other stuff just outside the group um so that's how i knew him i met him through i think brockhampton subreddit as well yeah we mm-hmm. also met on reddit <laughs> yeah. but for different reasons um and i just remember like i, I watched the live streams because he told me to and then he said if you have a beat send it to us so i sent them a beat and I think the beat that I sent them, I don't know if it was the first one I sent, or it was either the first or the second, is the uh, first song on the album. Oh, I think it was the first. It is. Yeah, yeah, it was the first beat I sent, I think, is um, Hold Up. Yeah. On Out of Focus. And the rest was history. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, it's kind of cool that, like, so with the rise of, say, like a Brockhampton, right? Um it's definitely become very apparent what kind of an internet age we are in with music. And I felt like with them, and, and this is even more true with your story because you guys are so international, that like a, a band like this could only really exist in this time of the world, right? Where we're able to communicate with each other and, and use the platforms that you're already mentioning to sort of come have come together and then um, make a band. So um has that part been difficult at all that you guys never like get to collaborate in person in a lot of ways you guys experience challenges with that or is it just even more liberating for you in a way i think um i think where it it presents its own challenges um you know not being able to have like kind of you know real-time feedback like when you're writing or producing things like that, yeah. um, you know, we're overcoming that a lot by having real time sessions. So all kind of being in the same, like kind doing of what session. we're doing now, zoom calls pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and so I think, you know, you find ways to overcome it, but of course in person's always better, but you know, especially times like now, that's just not, that's not possible. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's just interesting to find new ways to keep, mm you know kind of pushing that and you know doing new shit what's it been like getting a support group together people that are listening to your music and um, just checking you guys out and being interested because i know for me personally you know it's it's me and it's trent that are here every week and when we have guests on it's nice because they help us promote the show and they tell people to go listen to an episode and so that gives us a little boost and whatnot but you know trent and myself like we're not that social people we're, I mean, we we are, but, you know, we don't know so many people to where, like, we just started out with this base of uh, people following us. And, you know, it's it's always been, like, an uphill battle in that regard. And I'm sure it is still for you guys. But, um, you know, what's that been like, like, sort of combining your, your, res- your resources as a group in general from everybody? It's, r- it's kind of surreal, to be honest. Yeah, it's um, been really nice. Uh, we... Like, sorry, Julian, for cutting you off. Nah, you go, bro, you go. Uh, we've, like, started to build up a, a pretty nice, like, small community that we have. Uh, people have, like, started buying the merch, supporting the album, supporting, like, posting the, or stuff that we post, liking mm-hmm. all that, sharing it. It's really nice uh, getting some sort of love from the hip-hop community on Instagram. But we're still, like, obviously trying to look out to tap into new markets. Like, we have plans to look into TikTok and seeing if we can 
tap in that market and sure. just working on further expanding our music to more people. Yeah, if you were working in TikTok, what what is what would that look like for you? Because that's something that like I, I've sort of thought about too. But like, you know, I just have no real. I guess I have no real desire at the moment to do it, but I know how like powerful of a tool it's kind of becoming. Um, so how would you fit kind of your guys's content into a space like TikTok? I think the biggest one would be promoting banter. Cause like, I don't know, it seems like we need to, we need to relax the fuck up gentlemen. I feel like normally we're, we're just like <laughs> making jokes and we're like taking the piss out of each other. Um, I, I got my thumbnail ready in case if Sam Krusty <laughs> asked and turn up. That's fire. Um, that's fire. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I feel like that's what we'd be promoting. And like, that's the the thing that um, it seems that people have been resonating with a lot uh-huh. is our sense of community and brotherhood. It's yeah. like, you know, I, I talk to these boys every single day and I'm closer with them than I am with people that physically live like in my house. Yeah. Like I'm closer with these people <laughs> yeah. than I'm my housemates. You yeah. Yeah. So having like not only the support network of people that like actually bought our merch and listened to our shit, but just having the boys there that like when something happens or when we're trying to work through like an obstacle together, um, you end up achieving something that's so much bigger than you could have done yourself. Anyone else have something to say about that specifically? Um, I think with tick because the original question was about TikTok, right? It was about TikTok. Yeah, it was about TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think that there's a like real market for hopping onto what the current wave is, but doing it in your own way. Mm-hmm. So like, I know, I know people on TikTok that went from having a hundred views to 2.6 million likes in the matter mm-hmm. of days, just for like doing like a stupid remix video of a dog, mm-hmm. like taking a video of a dog, sampling it and doing a remix video. But the thing is as stupid as that video was it puts everybody onto their music as well as the video. So yeah. they click on the video, they find out who the person is and then they find out that they make real music. Yeah. And that's like, it's like a kind of like chain reaction. Finding your music. Yeah. I think that's what really kind of is powerful about TikTok at the moment. I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, should have almost forgot where I was going to go next with you guys, but, um, <laughs> Oh, I was going to say that I, I, I really, really resonate uh, with what you said about the like camaraderie you sort of have with this group that you collaborate and work with so often because Trent and I both being obligatory, um, I have definitely personally felt exactly what you're saying. Like, you know, a lot of, I mean, those are my really, really good friends right now in a lot of ways. I mean, it's great that Trent is in that group because me and Trent have been great friends since high school and we we know each other like that but all those other guys I don't know them and and um to just see over uh, a year or a couple of years what that time can do for uh people in their relationships and their 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 working relationships is really cool and interesting and I resonate with that idea of um, yeah, those are my friends. I really don't, uh, especially right now, since I have to re- communicate so remotely with everybody in general, you know, that's kind of only strengthened my relationship with these people who I depend on the internet to actually communicate and work alongside. And, um, yeah, I feel the same way. It's like, I feel like we've, we've kind of gotten stronger and grown, um, due to just 
what the year has been like for us. So for you guys, I mean, you guys released an album in 2020. So it feels like 2020 might have been a year for you where, you know, you just grew and improved some things. But is that how it panned out? Did it prove to be like a more difficult year than you expected? Or did it really strengthen you guys just because of the nature of what you're doing? I think I think because of what we do, we're already kind of in that mindset and um, the pandemic almost just allowed us to tap into that even more. Mm. It put everyone at home. Everyone was just like focused on music shit. And I don't know, it just allowed us to kind of like, I don't know, 2020 was a really good year for us, I think, as a group. Um, we really just kind of buckled down. We made shit tons of music. We just solidified like our vision, what we want to do. We put our first merch out. We, you know, like it just, I think gave everyone the time to just like focus. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think there's like any other kind of scenario that would have done that. Mm, yeah, for sure. There was like a period I remember where I'd wake up and I'd check my laptop and we'd have like four or five beats in the discord. Um, and I just, I moved all my gear outside. Cause it was like for once a fucking sunny day. And I just sat in the backyard um for a couple hours just had like the speakers playing and i was just writing shit and just recording stuff in the backyard and uh it was a great day and it was one of those things where it's like the only th the only way that i could have done that is in lockdown like otherwise i would have been way too busy with other shit to yeah. dedicate that much time yeah um yeah so like even though everything else sort of fell to the wayside in lockdown i feel like our music really has grown um during the lockdown period for sure and I mean, I, I'm assuming pretty much everywhere, like we've had full lockdowns and everything, but everybody here has been pretty like affected by the fact that the world is shut down, right? Everyone's pretty shut down where they are. Um, uh, not oh, so okay, Sam. Yeah. Tell us about your yeah. festival. Go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, 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 two cases. We, we only have two cases at the moment. Um, Wait, where? Where again? New Zealand. New Zealand? Yeah, that's right. I did hear about yeah. that. It was the same way. Like, yeah, so I guess the shape. Wait, what's happening though? Pitch. Why is that yeah, the case? Why is New Zealand know, different just, than everywhere else? We're just built, <laughs> just just built <laughs> different? Just built different like that? Yeah. <laughs> um, our government just took it really fucking seriously the first time that they heard about it. And I feel like a lot of people didn't. Like, I I'm talking like the first time that they heard about it. Like, yeah. the second that we got a case, they were like, okay. Everybody is gone. Huh. We're inside for the next four weeks. Uh, and then that, that four weeks turned into six weeks and then eight weeks. And then after eight weeks, we had, I think, three active cases in the community. And they were like, okay, cool. We did it. We can go out now. And then it's been pretty much normal since then. Yeah, people I mean, are like in school honestly, and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was only out because that last year was my last year of school and i was only out of class for maybe four weeks i think wow maybe five um so yeah no it wasn't like obviously that like period was pretty impactful because they locked us down pretty hard but yeah it's it's all open now so you're telling me if we took it seriously early enough <laughs> and maybe got a hold on it early enough we wouldn't be we wouldn't be 12 months down the road almost yeah, yeah, and I this mean, is why Sam is running in 2024. Yeah, yeah man. He'll I mean, finally yeah. get control of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, about Sam Brew. Yeah, yeah. the president thought it was a hoax. Run the country. I, Sam I Brew for president. There's a lot of 
kind of variables to it. I mean, New Zealand's a pretty school, a small country. We've got yeah. a small population for the landmass. You know, there's a there's a lot of factors to it, but yeah, I think sure. the big part is that we took it seriously. Okay. Well, that's interesting enough. Um, <clears throat> so, you guys have dropped. I mean, from what I can see, like basically three projects so far. It looks like we have an EP, and then two albums or mixtapes i don't know uh, how exactly y'all classify those or if you feel like you've dropped a debut album yet um i feel like um tokyo rose was kind of like our debut album so to speak but i, I feel like the we definitely have like the best ahead of us um as uh, we've changed our, our roster a lot since then we've grown a lot since then in terms of like our skills mm -hmm. um you know our production um everything i think just our whole approach to making music is just so completely different now so tokyo rose is kind of like feels like a whole different era mm -hmm. um out of focus is definitely us i think solidifying what we want to do and it's like the start of kind of what's up next but i just think yeah now like you know if a couple of years on we're just like you know in a completely different mind space and um are like actually making yeah like stuff that we're really happy with and just like you know continuing to grow just who we are and growing together sure and like do you feel that in the future uh say with your next project are you looking to sort of extend what you feel you accomplished with out of focus or you want to uh, extend you know kind of your creative direction with that album or do you want to sort of take it to another place do you want to kind we're of dialing it to 11. Di Fuck like you. amping it up yeah all the yeah. way so you're like, taking if, what if you did and you want to you want more we're putting another fucking plug-in on there yeah and you just want to hyperbolize it you just want to <laughs> amp it up yeah that's it does everybody cole, feel that way can... yeah cole you Is uh, that yeah uh, uh personally uh with this next album i just want to like focus more on my own personal skill and evolving as much as i can at this point in time and just get as good as I can and just like not settle for where I am at the moment and just keep striving to be better. Cause I mean, I know I can, I just have to put my mind forward and go towards it. I love that mindset too, because you know, I'll just kind of parallel this back to like obligatory, but I've always kind of had the philosophy of like, if I can get better, if I can let's say just in general, if I can get more popular, like that's something that can, if I can get more popular just off of this and doing the podcast and, get more fans just doing this you know ultimately that helps obligatory and obligatory you know in the same way kind of helps me in in the end but i've kind of had that same mindset too like personally if i can perfect what i'm doing and you know that starts to bring people who aren't even related to the situation into what's going on um you know then that all just serves to help the group in a greater fashion so what do you feel like is one of those things that you are are focusing on though improving cole uh, uh oh, sorry personally for me just like flow uh lyrics lyrics like wordplay metaphors all that i just want to improve as much as i can mm -hmm. lately i've been just like studying andre 3000 just to see if i can not mimic but just improve i've had hold yeah. on I've had a oh yeah there it is there it is ATL on ends up on, up repeat on the... for like the past two three weeks lately uh -huh. just listening to so much and just seeing if I could 
just improve as much as I can. Yeah. Okay. You, you kind of. I'm also gonna. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm man. gonna tap onto that as well. In that, um, I think in terms of like whole group wise, something that we we really want to do, um, with this the next kind of phase is just uh is focus really on um solidifying that community of like you know building fan base building um just like you know consistency i think in you know getting people um you know kind of coming in listening to our music and staying not just like you know kind of checking it out and cool yeah nice yeah that's it yeah yeah exactly just trying to like just build on um you know how do we kind of like keep that community and, and grow it and because i think it's um it's really untapped area in like how much people recommend music to their friends and to other people so i feel like if we can find you know people who really resonate with us they're just gonna spread it on and then it's less of our job yeah and i think that the the, the more that we can take that kind of you know not burden but um the less we have to focus on trying to build an audience and that audience comes more organically i think that you know the more we can just focus on the music well one of the things that i think say brock hampton did really well was you know they 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 gave out a lot of the process of making their music they gave you a real sense of what it felt like to be among them and be in this group and what you know kind of how they like you said they they love to have fun together they love to crack jokes they love to be around one another and they kind of created this unique camaraderie that you don't see in a lot of other places and so there it, it gave you something to uh to to saturate into in terms of just like really getting to know these people in the group individually because they brought really individual elements of the songs and you could kind of learn about them as artists but also you know seeing them behind the scenes, hearing them in leaks or watching them on stage or, you know, videos of them interacting together is really, really important. And so when y'all brought up the, you know, the desire to see what potentially TikTok could do for you guys or or just how to um, keep things going, I think that's a really important element of what you guys, if you guys can keep the cameras rolling, like while y'all collaborate, if you can record Zoom calls, if you can record sessions of yourselves, being a group or if you can just like let people into what it feels like to be in this group of youth service um i think that's when you start building something that's a little bit more than a fan then then you start building you know some some super fans i i suppose and and people that you know buy the merch and they kind of support you in like a really 360 way i hope that's something that y'all can y'all can continue to amp up as you move forward but yeah, any it's definitely um it's definitely uh the route that we're going down for uh this next kind of phase yeah um so how far out are you guys from potentially releasing new music whether that be a single or an ep or a full-fledged album oh, and you don't have to give specifics question, sorry you don't have to yeah. be specific know, but just give me a feel of like are we in the beginning stages of something like that I'm going to not what let Cole answer this question because <laughs> this motherfucker, <laughs> Cole is the leak king. This dude <laughs> leaks everything we do. What do you so mean, dude? It's like, I just, oh, do- I'm a man of the people. I'm a man of the people. They want it and I'm going to give it to them. Hey, you know, <laughs> leaks work. Leaks work. Uh, no, I think Uzi. Yeah, they work for Uzi. <laughs> Sometimes they but work for Playboy Cardi. I don't know. Yeah. No, but- next, next, next few months, um, 
we're going to start dropping shit. Um, I think we just want to kind of get everything together first and uh, just make sure we're like totally on top of like what we're putting forward because it's it's the kind of thing what we're doing with this next kind of phase is that once we start, we're not going to stop. So we just kind of have to be just fully ready for that. Oh, so are you hoping to... Are you saying you're hoping to release your next thing and then release the next thing like pretty soon after that and start putting out projects at a more consistent pace or yeah saying yeah. anything not saying anything but okay yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I, I, can i say one yeah. thing damn man yeah. right through um, the lines really well there <laughs> yeah the, the one thing i would say is that when we start releasing stuff it will be a lot and and not not in like a volume capacity or any like take that how you want but it will be a lot well i think you guys have like a really good so I know that you've had different projects with, you know, a different combination of people. Um, but it sounds like out of focus is you guys is kind of the core of the group as you see it right now and moving forward. Um, so I think this is a great time to really um, corral yourselves and really kind of hammer out like what, you know, it sounds like y'all want to make a, 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 a two year plan or, a, you know, something like kind of extensive like that our next few projects or whatever and uh, i think this could be a really crucial time for you to figure out what that direction really truly looks like and then all there's left to do is commit to it and hammer it out um but i think you guys have already done really well for yourselves in terms of like figuring out figuring out what it is you guys got going on and i feel like uh out of focus is probably a good a, a good um landmark of what that is for you guys right now and i think yeah i mean i agree with you guys that the way to go is when y'all start like don't stop you know it, once you guys figure out what the direction is y'all truly want um and maybe you kind of already do have a feel for that but when you're ready when you're ready to to really start i agree you know um it would probably behoove you guys to just keep pushing keep putting stuff out i think that's a great um I think that's a great liberty of what you do as a large group is, yeah, it's kind of harder to corral all the ideas and maybe come together for one unified um, project or experience. But you have a lot of different people who can offer different ideas and different perspective on things and have different levels of energy at different times. And, and that's what will kind of, again, to refer back to Brockhampton, like that's what kind of allowed them to release three albums in one year or in the span of you know a cal you know in, in in one year's time or something like that mm. because you know for everybody's situation that's not always so easy so yeah i'm with you guys that um you know flooding it when you're ready to actually put some stuff out is is the way to go um and i i, I definitely notice you guys have a, a good sense for creating a, a 360 vision it's not just like the music you guys do put your time and energy into how things look the graphics for your album covers and what the merch looks like and you guys release a lot of merch and um that was old jack that was all that all came from the one dude that's really Shout like put on to you guys like that. the only way that we that's even got jack in the group is because this guy just worked his ass off he put a post on reddit to do a magazine which we hit him up for and then we started releasing singles last year we did four oh it would have been year before now it, it was four singles and this motherfucker with no like guidance from us just started releasing alternate covers on his instagram for each single 
and being like, oh, Youth Service just dropped this single. Here's the cover I came up with. Oh and we God. were just like, holy shit, this is better than anything that we could have designed. <laughs> so we were just like enlisted in. That's fantastic. You need someone like that in the crew. That, mm. Or, I mean, just anybody like that is a good asset to have. Somebody who would just do this shit even if they weren't a part of what's going on. Do this shit even if they weren't getting paid or getting the recognition for something they're just doing it because they care they're excited about some shit and and whatnot yeah. so and that's and that's definitely what he's carrying through for this like next next kind of period is he's he's really the driving force behind like the whole outlook and the creative direction and you know really tying in the uh the visual elements um with the music as well i think that's what yeah jack is amazing at and um i think that's something that's going to really kind of like just like like you said bring that like 360 kind of experience just you know to the next kind of level does he uh does he have a like a instagram or anything that he posts like visual work to yes jack dot churchly he's he posts usually he posts like once a week uh, at least once a week and it's all all hits no misses yeah no i'm gonna check this out i'm really early in my days of basically becoming a graphic designer that's crazy to say to me but like i literally just got paid to to design something for somebody uh for like their instagram page they just reached out to me off the strength of what i was doing for like the obligatory graphics and stuff like that and um now that i've been handling those um yeah i've just i've I've been growing and but i always want to check out other um graphic designers because they tend to know so many more little tricks and and things than i do so all right i follow jack he's definitely gonna give me some some inspo for some of my work here in the future for Um, sure dude it's it's mad like especially when we have the live sessions as well because like i think jack has a few screenshots of it but you'll have uh he's got a screenshot of liam recording uh like he's recording vocals Cole's recording vocals, I'm recording vocals, and Jack's just designing some, like, crazy shit in the corner. <laughs> um, it's a good way to, like, keep us all motivated and, like, bouncing off of each other's um, drive. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, man, I think the visual element of what you guys do is going to be really, really important. The music, of course, but the visual element behind everything. So, you know, if I, I obviously it's, it's difficult right now, but any sort of, like, music video content is always important and obviously how everything looks your singles and your covers and and all that that's incredibly crucial but too like i said you know just uh giving people more of the experience of what it's like to be around y'all um and really documenting a lot of what is happening in your group and a lot of what's um what's going on is also sounds really important to me too because i i i want people to be able to uh identify with all of you guys because you guys do have your you know your unique personalities and it it does seem you all bring something a little bit different to the table for what's going on and um that's another thing that i think you know makes this work you know some people are really gonna love cole some people are really gonna love liam some people are really gonna love sam um and uh you know you you guys being the kind of group you are you can speak to uh, just wider masses of people if you do it right. Um, so I got high hopes for you guys. I, I really appreciate that y'all wanted to come on and, and, and speak with us. Um, I don't know. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that y'all want to make sure we bring up 
Um, man, I want Trent to tell me about this fucking apartment that you're living in, dude. This is a flex. <laughs> I've just been. Oh man, I've just been appreciating this space this whole time. <laughs> oh, I have, man, as uh, my girlfriend puts it all together. I, I've been <laughs> talking about with 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 my girlfriend, like, how do y'all reach the the oils on the top shelf there in that on that wall? Because I know I would have oh, to get man. like the step stool out, just, like cheerleader, like. I think it, I think it looks taller than it is. I could reach it flat-footed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, okay. Okay. I, I I thought it was way. No, nah, I don't know. It's cool. We got really lucky with this apartment. <laughs> got the, the checkered uh, floor on the bathroom too. That's a flex we too. Had the back checkered there. Floors, hardwoods all the way throughout. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah. I feel like I could not wake up upset if I was in that place, man. <laughs> I rarely do. I rarely wake up upset. We got this cool big window that's like a corner window in the bedroom. I wake up every day. I just look at the field across the street. It's nice. Are you in LA? I'm assuming from the hat. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, I actually don't even like the Bruins. I actually I'm Pac-12 rival. I'm from Oregon, so <laughs> fucking I hate. Are not both of you based <laughs> cool out of Portland? Or yeah, you? we live in yeah. Portland, Oregon. Okay, isn't Adam also in Portland as well? Yeah, yeah. Adam yes. lives like. I guess not technically in Portland, but about as close as living, as close as you could get to living in Portland without actually living in it. Um, I don't know where Portland is, but we should all pull up and just camp there for the next album. Portland. First of all, first of all, it's a great place. Okay, we were just talking to somebody though uh, who does a lot of um, activism for the houseless or people experiencing houseless right now or houselessness right now. Um, and so we were just kind of having this whole really real conversation about how kind of fucked up things are here, Washington, like Seattle and in like California and L.A. Uh, with just like how many people are experiencing houselessness and stuff like that. So we were just kind of airing out all the really sad stuff about what's going on here. But it's still an incredibly unique, one of a kind type city. Um, definitely not a lot of places like it in the States. Um, I definitely, I always tell people you should go to Portland and leave. like, that's one of the places people should, should go once in their lives. It's I know Amine reps it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Amine yeah. actually, I say this all the time on the podcast, but he went to one of the high schools in our, um, in our, what do you call that? Like, uh, district. Yeah. Kind of in our district. And he even went to my middle school. He's a few years older than me. Um, yeah, we, we went to that middle school at the same time. I wouldn't have known him, really, but... Um, See, that conversation right there, that is the goal. The goal is that I can have someone be like, oh, yeah, from youth service? Yeah, I went to high school with that guy, and then I think he went to <laughs> yeah, university exactly. in my city. To have people talking about you to that level where they're like, I'm remotely associated, that's the flex. That's what we're yeah, trying to get. Yeah, I've kind of always thought about that, too. Like, oh, I always want to get to this point where, like, um, where I'm I'm popular enough that I get the same thing. People are like, oh, yeah. yeah, I remember when I watched him do that stupid thing on stage in high school or, uh, you know, like that, that, that Bro, type I of thing. I know exactly what stupid thing you're talking about, too. You're talking about Mr. Cleveland. Well, oh, we that was OK. Yeah, I, yeah, I did kind of reference that. Because I was on I was on stage, too. Yeah, we did like a like, like a, a performance together. Yeah, he homie had like the bongos and, and we were, we were yeah. wearing like like uh, like like tote like toga style fabric yeah we were just bad. we were just naked with some with some <laughs> fabric on and it was, like it was, yeah it was it was weird 
It was a weird thing, but uh, yeah, yeah, they'll be like, oh yeah, people will remember that. Like, oh, that was the first time I saw the Bridge City Boys like perform. <laughs> you know, like it'll be that that type of thing. So, well, yeah. um, I believe you guys have some great things in store for you just because of, again, like your combined resources, I think are really valuable. You all have your individual personalities and talents. You all come from different places and, and, and really across the world and provide different perspectives on on what could be going on with your group. And, you know, I just. I assume that you will, but I hope you continue to just foster those elements of what's happening because I feel like that's the truly unique thing that y'all have that can drive you guys forward. So um, I feel like you guys are, are already putting yourself in, in good position for all of those things to happen. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. And I think we can pretty much wrap it up there. Um, real quick, because we haven't said it yet, but today we got the really sad news about uh pop singer sophie passing away at a really uh devastatingly young age um i was i mean i've tried to listen to sophie music before sam's like big with sophie so damn i'm sorry i didn't mean to just like throw it on you out of nowhere but wait let me say this then because i've i i have sort of in the past tried to uh listen to sophie music because i've heard the praise um about that debut album i'm sorry i'm forgetting exactly what the name of the the uninsides debut album is um oil of every pearls uninsides nonstop. yeah or no oil of every pearl uninsides um but never really caught on to me so now is going to be my opportunity to kind of go back and maybe educate myself a little bit more but Sam, I'll let you kind of speak to, you know, what their art- artistry was, you know, what it meant for you personally. Um, well, obvi- I mean, obviously, Sophie was kind of a pioneer in a genre that's really close to my heart. Um, being an electronic musician and being a producer, uh, she did a lot of stuff that was really inspiring to me and other people in the community. But I think that the most important thing to remember is the reach that she had i mean obviously her own work was incredible um experimental and kind of groundbreaking and it it showed a lot of people different ways to do different things but if you go back through every single genre over the past 10 years sophie had a hand in it i guarantee you vince staples yeah right produced by sophie yeah i just Um, learned that today xcx's stuff from like 2017 onwards massive sophie influence if not produced by sophie um yeah, she she just kind of she broke down boundaries and took her sound and incorporated it into every avenue of music in the in the 2010s. Uh, that's a really really great eulogy for her art, um, and and that's kind of what I, I I've been learning today. You know, um, just how much she had her hands in all these different spaces of music and like in popular spaces of music. I felt like I had this perception of her as being like kind of a really um unearthed obscure yeah obscure obscure yeah. commodity and and really appreciated by certain places in hip-hop but and maybe and maybe she still is you know in, in like the largest sense of things but what sam just said like you know the fact that on something like yeah right vince staples like that she was there for that i mean just goes to show you the kind of range that um you know that 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 she possessed uh 
um, and that it was pretty boundless. And I know that that album was Grammy nominated. And so um, definitely, definitely a really, um, definitely like um, a really penetrating force in in terms of like popular music and 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 you know you can only imagine that moving forward she would have continued to you know make even s further strides in that direction so uh yeah i'm gonna do my due diligence and sort of educate myself some more on 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 who we have really lost here um and i implore anybody listening to us to do the same uh and remember her and um um yeah it's, a, it's incredibly sad so Thank you, Sam, by the way. I really appreciated that that insight from you as well. That was awesome. Um, thank you, guys. This has been Youth Service coming on here to talk about um, their most recent project. Um, excuse me for one sec. Uh, out of Focus. And to kind of talk to us about moving forward, what their goals are for themselves as a group. And um, I think they have a really robust sense of, you know, what they want to do moving forward. So... Uh, thank you guys again. It's been a great interview. Uh, and really, this episode in general has been awesome and completely unlike any other episode we've done before. We got well, to... Good. I hope that's good. Yes, absolutely yeah. has Very been. Good, yeah. yeah, I've been waiting to do an episode kind of like this where there's a bunch of people on the same call. And then even being able to do that uh, two-parted with another first half of this episode where we got to talk about um, some real societal issues in our own city and whatnot. This has been epic. Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on. So I don't know. I think our internet's kind of freaking out, but I'll let all of you guys say bye real quick. Thanks, dude. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you having us no. on. And I'm glad we finally got it to work out between all of us because this was really cool to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I'm sure we could probably have some or all of you guys back on in the future. Um, and you know, I want to see the apartment in a few months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all we'll all just link up at Trent's. Um, yeah. <laughs> not a lot of room, but it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be packed. Very not COVID safe, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> post vaccine type shit. All right, yo. Um, thanks again, guys, and uh, we'll let people know where to find you guys in terms of like the bio of this uh, episode. We'll just kind of help promote you guys here in the future. Um, feel free to send us music if that's what you want to do. Um, you got friends over here in the Bridge City Boys is what I'm saying, all right? Hell yeah. Good to know. Good to know. Likewise. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate yeah, you, you know, guys. If we can get that, if we can get that uh, Cole, if you send them a leak, I'll straight up kick you out of the room. And I'm <laughs> cutting three verses. That obligatory review, that'd be sick. Well, keep putting out music. Keep putting out music, dude. No, like I'm going to pick three of your best. I wish it was yeah. just up to me. I wish I was the only one making decisions in that group. But keep dropping <laughs> hot shit, all right? Just, just just, slide it under the table, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I'll just be like, know. yo, check out these leaks I, I just got from my guy Cole. <laughs> we got a couple of older shit leaks in our Discord, but it's like yeah. shit that we made like a year ago. And even though at the time it was hard, we're like, we're never going to actually drop it. So yeah. Well, no, that's what you're supposed to be shit. doing. Like, your, your old shit should be trash to you. I mean... Uh, I guess maybe you don't have to see it that way, but uh, I, I feel like, you know, I feel that way with our podcast. It's like, I mean, I love what we did at the time, but like, I kind of hate it in the same way. So that shit is doo doo now. Yeah, I don't yeah. even like listening to it. I, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know? tell people to listen to our like earliest, earliest. This is the first time I told somebody to listen to season three because we we had a guest from season three on, on it. <laughs> so um, yeah. 
Anyways, I will let y'all go. Happy Saturday slash Sunday, I think it is for a couple of y'all. Um, yeah, it's Sunday. Yeah, hey, yeah. We're doing in the future. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks again, Youth Service. We appreciate you guys. We love you guys. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, all right? Hell Thank yeah. you for having us. Keep all free, right. everyone. Season 5, Episode 23, Episode 74. That shit is done. Peace. <laughs>